0: you dream about as a kid growing up trying to play in the NHL and he scores! Episode 11 on the Cracker Jack Sports Show. I'm your host, John Coro, and today we are back to discuss some more news of the MLB and the NHL. However, we're going to be a little off topic today because we'll be discussing the 2022 NFL Super Bowl. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams for winning the Super Bowl off of just an incredible season. Before we get more in depth, make sure to follow the Crackerjack Sports Show on Twitter at Crackerjack Show and on Instagram at cjacksports434. That is Crackerjack Show on Twitter and cjacksports434 on Instagram. Well, we are kicking this episode off with a big congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams for winning Super Bowl number fifty-six. For the game itself. I thought it was relatively quick and very exciting. The Rams, despite being the away team, played in their home stadium in L.A. So good to see all the fans who went to watch that game watch it in their own city. Since it was in L.A., of course, a lot of celebrities intended the game, such as Kevin Hart, Cardi B, Offset, LeBron James, Kanye West, Jennifer Lopez, and of course, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. In case you didn't watch, he had a crazy speech to start off the game, and that's got that's gonna be something almost unforgettable in the future. Whether you look at that as a meme or not, I gotta say, football has really grown on to me, and I'm starting to debate if we should discuss football in the future. So, if you guys enjoy more football content, especially when next season starts, leave a, leave a like and comment in this episode. You will give we'll see what happens in the future. We also had to talk about what went down in the 2022 Super Bowl halftime show. So there was Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, and special guest 50 Cent performing all in L.A. I th- thought it was a great show. It, to recap all the songs, you, we had the next episode. The, the next episode was the first song that was being performed by Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. It was, it's known for being... A pop classic on Dr. Dre's best album, The Chronic, which was released in 2001. The next song, I believe, was by 50 Cent. I, for, I keep forgetting. It was either by 50 Cent or Mary J. Blige, who, and they performed, 50 Cent performed in the club. I don't follow Mary J. Blige, unfortunately, so I don't know what she performed. Kendrick Lamar performed all right. I was kind of expecting the songs Humble or DNA. But Kendrick Lamar had a lot of pop songs from his biggest album called Damn. And, of course, Eminem had to come in with the heat, perform Lose Yourself. You know, that kind of got the crowd up and going. It was, I think that was great. I mean, he did lip sync a little bit, but still, great performance at the age of 49. And to top it all off, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg performed Still D.R.E. And, you know, as soon as you hear that iconic piano beat, pretty much everyone's going to know what that song is about. And they know it's going to get crazy. Speaking of Eminem performing Lewis Yourself," he did something at the end which which kind of shocked a lot of people at first. But then the NFL realized what he was doing and got them mad. So during the halftime show, Eminem took a knee. Now at first when I was watching, I honestly thought he had a heart attack. But everyone else was standing there like nothing happened. But the main reason why he was doing that was because he was mocking the San Francisco 49ers well, former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick for kneeling at the national anthem. He did that about five, six years ago, which took a lot of people out of the sport, honestly, and I don't blame him. But the NFL specifically told Eminem not to do that, and you know, Eminem being the person he is, he has to do that. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't have. I don't have that much of a take on it. I, th- I think Eminem's just being himself. I doubt. He's dropping another album. There are rumors about a new album coming out for Eminem, um, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre. They're pretty much dead. I, I haven't heard much from Mary J. Blige. Uh, Mary J. Blige. Oh my God, Mary J. Blige either. Uh, so I'm pretty sure she's not going to drop anything anytime soon. And Kendrick Lamar. And well, I said Kendrick Lamar, 50 Cent. I don't think he's dropping anything. He's pretty much been retired. Just like Jay-Z's been retiring from the rap game. Like, 50 Cent's kind of in that position. So, I doubt he's dropping anything new. That's pretty much my recap on this year's Super Bowl and Halftime Show. We've had some recent news about the MLB lockout. The Owners and Players Association announced that they will have a universal DH moving forward. I know. I can't believe it. I know. Yes, yes. I. Right. Everyone calm down. Yes, I know. They agreed on something. It's hard. They're like brothers and <laughs> they're like brothers and sisters at this point when it comes to agreeing to everything. But yes, they finally agreed to have a universal DH. In case you don't know what that means, it means that there will still be a designated hitter to the American League, but there will also be a designated hitter for the National League, which means the pitchers are not going to hit anymore. They they temporarily had this in the wacky 2020 season, they went back to pitchers hitting in 2021, and will now have the universal DH for at least the next five seasons. You know, I've—I'm not gonna lie—I've always loved, liked the universal DH. The, in 2020, 2020, kind of, I kind of backed off of baseball in 2020 because I was—I wasn't really a huge fan of what MLB was doing, and nor was everyone. Nor, I mean, nor was anyone, pretty much. But the one rule that they did make was a universal DH at that time and I actually kinda liked it. So it kind I wasn't a huge fan of pitchers going back to hitting in twenty twenty one. But now that they'll have a universal DH moving forward, I'm kinda happy. Like I real it it doesn't create as much injury risk for pitchers. Like instead instead of a pitcher going off the mound after throwing one hundred miles per hour, instead of going off the mound after that and being ready to hit, he could just sit there and warm up just like every pitcher should be. And that's why American League pitchers are much better than National League pitchers because, you know, they they have the time to, like, warm up in between innings to pitch the next inning. And, you know, National League pitchers, they're, they're too busy um, either running on base when it's early in the game at risk of getting hit by a pitch or at risk of, like, getting hurt when you're running. So, like, I really like this universal DH, and it gives – more opportunity to players who are more who are usually on the bench. For example, I'm talking about the 2022 World Series champion. <laughs> wow, the 2021 World Series champion Atlanta Braves. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, but at Game Six at Houston, well, pretty much the whole series at Houston, they had Eddie Rosario in left field, Adam Duvall in center, Jorge Soler in right, and Jock Peterson as a DH. Now they're going to be able to do that when they're when they're home because you know Jorge Soler and Peterson they had to switch back and forth when they played games at Atlanta when the pitchers still hit because that that big home run Jorge Soler hit in game four that was a pinch hit home run he wasn't in the game the whole time so now that he's going to be playing day to day and the Braves you know the Braves are going to be better then I I'm having a good feeling for this team and you know I don't think everyone's going to get signed back because, you know, they got a lot of free agents right now. But if any National League team decides to, to spend on players to sign back or to just sign them to the team overall, then, you know, it could really help with the designated hitter. Like another example, the New York Mets. I feel that if they could designate DH Starling Marte and give more time playing time to like Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nemo, or, or even Michael Conforto, If he's a bench player, if they give more time to the young rookies, then, you know, it's going to be, it would be a lot easier for the New York Mets and pretty much every National League team in baseball. It is now time to recap on the New York Islanders. They just recently wrapped up their road trip. And by the way, all those games were rescheduled earlier this year due to COVID. So after their 3-0 loss against the Kraken, which we discussed last episode, they had an entire week off before playing the Canucks at Vancouver for the first time since March 10th of 2020, which was three days before the world shut down and still hasn't been the same since, unfortunately. But good news for the Islanders, however, they won that game by a final score of 6-3 to three off of a five-goal first period. You heard it right, folks, five goals in one period. Not only did the Islanders score five goals in one A game, they do it all in the first period. Yes, yes, yes. I know, I know, I know, I know. Calm down, calm down. But it's it's it stuns me as well. And by the way, the first three goals all came in just a matter of thirty-one seconds. I mean, that's just insane for not only just an a random NHL team to do that, but for the Islanders of all teams. I mean, that's just that's just shocking to anyone who watches hockey, especially in twenty twenty two. The, the first three goals of the game, which were in 31 seconds, came from Zach Parisi, Brock Nelson, and Andrews Lee. The other two were piled on by Casey Zizekas and Matt Barzell. Of course, in typical Islander fashion, they had to make things interesting. Three Canucks goals would get them right back in the game, but Matt Martin would get the job done at the third to make it 6-3 the final score. All I can say to Vancouver is, what were you thinking putting Yaroslav Halak in net? Games like these were the main reason we got rid of him a few years ago, and the Canucks paid the price by getting him in the offseason. I don't know if you guys remember, but I did do an episode where I discussed a lot of offseason moves made, particularly the NHL, and I was I was just stunned by the fact that the Vancouver Canucks got Yaroslav a lot. Clearly, he hasn't been good on the Islanders, and on absolutely not good on the... I mean, he did improve on the Bruins, but... I didn't think he was worth a trade for the Vancouver Canucks or at least, or a free agency acquiring. I mean, I don't. if I were to look back on that trade, I don't think Vancouver had to give up anything massive or anything at all. But still, I don't think it's worth getting Jarvis a lot. If you're going to have a guy just giving up five goals in the first period is just flat out unacceptable. And not to mention, all these goals scored, they were not really beauties like... These were kind of soft, not gonna lie. Like, no what that goal scored by Brock Nelson, that was a shot by Noah Dobson, and like I think the NHL got it wrong. I think the puck did not go off of Brock Nelson, went off a defender in front. And you know, despite that, I feel like the goalie should still make the save, you know? The only legit goal I saw, well, that I saw on the highlight reel the next morning was Matt Barzell on the breakaway. That that goal was legit. I mean, it's Matt Barzell. Obviously, it's legit. But, yeah, I feel for the Vancouver Canucks, I think it's just unacceptable the way they played. For the New York Islanders, though, I'm happy. It's an Islanders win. You don't see that very often, especially in 2022. The next game on the 11th of February, the Islanders lost to the Oilers 3-1 to at Edmonton. This was the first game at Edmonton since February 19th of 2019, so it's been almost three years. All I can say is how crazy a pandemic could change the world just like that. In the final minute of the first period, Cody Ceci gives the Oilers the lead. Almost halfway through the second, Zach Kyman makes it 2-0. And by the way, speaking of Zach Kyman, I gotta talk about him a little. He has really surprised me this year. I kept thinking before the season started that Edmonton was overpaying him. Like, I thought he would be the next Eric Carlson or Drew Doughty. If you don't remember them, they both got signed to eight-year contracts. I think it was in the same—I um, don't know if it was the same year, but I think it was like back-to-back years, but whatever. They, they both got signed to eight-year contracts. Their, their careers have gone downhill. I mean, Drew Doughty's has gotten better, but Eric Carlson, you know, it's still going downhill. And, but for Zach Hyman, however— He's living up to expectations. Probably not, not all-star caliber. Nobody really looked at him as an all-star anyway. But still, very solid season from this kid with plenty of promise in the future. Later in the second period, Bovillia gets New York on the board. But yes, he pulls Jarvi Gets a power play goal in the third to put the game away for Edmonton. And the Oilers goal... I forgot, I forgot it was in... I think it was Miko Koskinen for Edmonton. He had a good game leading the way the rest of the third period. I swear, the Islanders' offense, they either get very good in the third period or quiet in the third period. You never know. You never know with this team. And it used to be that they always got hot in the third period, even if they played terrible the first two periods. But, like, you know, it's 2022. I don't know what's going on with the New York Islanders. And... It showed again the very next day. They played Calgary, a.k.a. the other side of Alberta, and they unfortunately lost. 5-2 to was the final score, and just like Edmonton, this was the first time in nearly three years when they played each other in Canada. As for the game itself, it was a rough one for the Islanders. It was one of those back-and-forth drama games that ended up dying near the end of the third. Andrew Maggiapani got the first goal for Calgary to make it 1-0 in the first Answer quickly by goals from Noah Dobson of the Islanders and Chris Tanev for Calgary. So with the score being two to one going into the second, Andrew Maggiapani scores his second of the game, and then a very quick answer from Jean Gabriel Pajot makes it three to two. He's been improving a lot in in calendar year 2022 than of how he struggled in 2021. So it's good to see Pajot getting back on the scoreboard for New York. What was not good was the rest of the game. In the third, the Flames would score two more goals to end it, which would come from Eric Goodbranson and Elias Lindholm. As mentioned earlier, 5-2 was the final score. Well, the Flames have been a hot team this year, especially with the recent pickup of Tyler Toffoli, so it was understandable for the Islanders to lose. I'm not saying I liked it, but it was understandable. But the game against Buffalo on Tuesday, however, was just flat-out unacceptable. They lost 6-3 to one of the worst teams in the league, with... I don't know, like, 8,000 fans watching. And, you know, it was just an embarrassing game for the New York Islanders. As, against the Buffalo Sabres, really? Like, this game legit made me mad. And, you know, I feel I feel that, like, when you lose to, like, there's just something bad about losing. When you lose to a team that's, like, way worse than you, it's such a bad feeling, you know? And, like... Maybe maybe the Islanders should be where the Buffalo Sabers are. Okay, maybe I'm just overreacting there, but still, it kind of it kind of sucks when you lose to a, such a bad team. But Kyle lapozo the former Islander, got his team going with the first goal, but then the other Kyle, Kyle Palmieri, quickly answered back to tie it. This was all in the first period, and the first time in a while Palmieri got on the scoreboard. Only his second goal of the year. I think his last goal was like if I had to be exact, around November 17th of the year 2021. After a shorthanded goal by Tage Thompson, the second period was back and forth and ended with a buzzer-beater goal from Alex Tuck. With the Sabres up 3-2, to Kyle Palmieri gets his second goal of the game to tie it up. However, Victor Olofson, no, Victor Olofsson would give Buffalo the, lead, Buffalo the lead with four minutes to go in the third, followed by an empty netter from him, him again and Henry Yoki Haru. was the final score and arguably the most disappointing loss of the year for the New York Islanders. However, the Islanders recap will end on a positive note as they played two days later and beat the Boston Bruins on Thursday by a final score of 4-1. This was just an overall solid game as they took advantage of Boston's mistakes and made them pay. The game started with a goal by Taylor Hall in the first period. In the second, J.G. Paggio gets a second goal in three games to tie it. And then in the third, the Islanders lit up. Noah Dobson gave them the lead, followed by an insurance goal by Matt Barzell, and an empty netter by Brock Nelson would seal the deal. So that would be the eighth goal of the season for Noah Dobson, the 12th of the year for Barzee, and the 16th of the year for Brock Nelson. I That's another thing. If Everyone needs to let me know in the comments. Besides the Super Bowl, well, besides if I should do any more football content, everyone should try and let me know down in the comment section of Twitter or Instagram. Do you think Brock Nelson was snubbed of an all-star appearance this year? I personally think he was not trying to be biased, but I, and I don't hate Adam Pellick either, but let me know in the comments. D- do you think Brock Nelson was snubbed of an all-star game this year? And do you think Adam Pellick should, should have made it? Yes or no. Let me know in the comment section below. So that pretty much wraps up our Islanders recap. And Now it's time for our recap of the rest of the NHL. On Sunday, February 6th, no games were played due to players flying back from the All-Star game and All-Stars competition. It would be a little unfair for practically a whole minor league team getting called up just for one game, and it'd be like a lopsided score depending on the team as well. So we move to Monday, February 7th. In this game, Connor Brown gets a 2-point night in his return to the lineup as the Senators win it 4-1 against the Devils. Mitch would also extend his goal streak to 8 games in a 4-3 win in overtime for Toronto against the Carolina Hurricanes. On to Tuesday. So in the first game, the Columbus Blue Jackets would beat the Washington Capitals 5-4 the final score. Patrick Lyon would get his fourth straight multi-point night. The New Jersey Devils crushed the Montreal Canadiens 7-1. Vancouver beats Arizona 5-1. The Winnipeg Jets would beat the Minnesota Wild 2-0. A 27-safe shutout was made by Connor Hellebuck that night. Ottawa beats Carolina 4-3 off of a two-goal performance by Matthew Kachuk, or excuse me, Brady Kachuk, his brother, my bad. The Vegas Golden Knights would shut out the Edmonton Oilers 4-0, and the big part of this game, Alex Petrangelo would get his 500th career point. Congratulations to him. I've always liked Alex Petrangelo. He's, uh, he's known for his leadership, former captain of the St. Louis Blues. I'm pretty sure, well, Mark Stone is captain for Vegas, for Vegas. but if it wasn't for Stone on the team, I'm pretty sure Petrangelo would be captain for the Knights as well. I mean, I, I love Alex Petrangelo, and I just think he's getting better as he's getting older. He reminds me, he reminds me of Justin Verlander on for Major League Baseball. How every time Verlander got older and played more seasons on the Houston Astros, he simply got better. Petrangelo, as he's playing more seasons with Vegas and as he gets older, he's doing a lot better. I'm starting to notice. Not that he wasn't bad on... He, he was actually great on the St. Louis Blues. I'm not saying that. It's just um, good to see Alex Petrangelo still going, still staying healthy, and eventually reaching the 500-point mark. Maybe he gets to 600. Who knows? I, I, don't know his, I don't know his exact age, but hopefully he'll keep playing, get to 600. But, you know, for now, just cherish his 500-point mark. It's very rare for an NHL player to get that. For the final game of that night, the Pittsburgh Penguins to beat the Boston Bruins 4-2. Tristan Yari gets the win with a 43-save performance. On Wednesday, the first game was between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames. The Flames would absolutely destroy Vegas in this one. They win 6-0. Jacob Markstrom earns his eighth shutout of the season. I mean, wow. What a season by Jacob Markstrom. I mean, to, to earn eight shutouts in one season and and still having like a month or two, no, two months left to go, That that's crazy. Jacob Markstrom, bro. I mean, if you were to recap on the last few years, you would not think this was po- possible. Before the pandemic... I think Jacob Markstrom was great, especially with the Vancouver Canucks. But when the pandemic hit and they went in twenty twenty, well, they went into the bubble in twenty twenty. I think Thatcher Demko kind of stole his shine a little bit, and he was like the main reason why it got to Game Seven against Vegas. And the next season, when they played against the Calgary Flames, that that shortened fifty six game season, you know, he kind of he kind of sucked and. It was pretty much it was pretty much due to team chemistry. Like the Calgary Flames are just a flat out mess that year. So it made sense why Markstrom had a bit of a decline, but what a bounce back. Like now that the Flames are bouncing back and team chemistry is bouncing back, you know you better believe Jacob Markstrom is coming back. And if the Flames make a run in the playoffs, Markstrom will be the reason why all this happens. The Detroit Red Wings, well, Moving on to the next game. The Detroit Red Wings would beat the Philadelphia Flyers 6-3 to the final score. Five different Red Wings would get the multi-point night. The Coyotes would beat the Seattle Kraken 5-2. to Anton Strauman would get the game-winning goal. And Carol Vegemelka gets a 34-save performance in net. The Blackhawks would beat the Edmonton Oilers 4-1. to And Dallas beats Nashville 4-3 to off of a 20-save performance by Odinger behind the net. Or no, in net. My mistake. Moving on to Thursday, February 10th. The Calgary Flames defeat the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-2 the final score. The Flames will get their fifth straight win off of that victory. The Colorado Avalanche defeat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2, and they become the first team this year to reach 70 points in the standings. You can almost, it's going to be tight to see who wins the President's Trophy this year, but you can't count the Avalanche out yet. They're doing pretty good so far. Frederick Anderson gets a 34-save shutout for Carolina in a blowout. 6-0 win against the Boston Bruins. And, you know, Bruins really have been struggling this year. And it's I'm I'm specifically talking about the Boston Bruins because, you know, they're in the Metropolitan Division. We play them more. And maybe I'm just a biased Islanders fan. Who knows? But we'll see. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm laughing like crazy. I just... I just love when the Boston Bruins aren't doing so good, even if the Islanders aren't doing so good. It's like it's like being a New York Yankees fan and watching the Boston Red Sox suck, or being a New York Giants fan watching the New England Patriots suck, or even better, being like a New York Knicks fan or Brooklyn Nets fan and watching the Boston Celtics suck. It's just New York and Boston are just two different animals. They hate each other, and... <laughs> If I if I, if I were to talk between rivalries between New York and Boston, I could go on all day. So before I get off topic, let's get back to the, to hockey. Um, so the Devils would beat the St. Louis Blues seven to four. Nico Hishir and Yor- sorry Igor Shemar Gojich would each have a three point night, and it was just a score fest in this one. Devils have had a lot of score fests this year, and this just adds on. Keep in mind they won seven to four against Carolina in that brief break the Cracker Jack Sports Show took. So that's a positive, for, for New Jersey at least. The Washington Capitals beat the Montreal Canadiens 5-2. Joe Snively gets three points in Washington victory. The Columbus Blue Jackets beat the Buffalo Sabres in overtime. 4-3 to was the final score. Jacob Voracek gets the overtime winner. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins would defeat Ottawa 2-0 off of the second shutout of the season by Casey DeSmith. On Friday, only three games were played besides the New York Islanders. So Ryan Donato scores twice to lead the Seattle Kraken to victory in a 4-3 win against Anaheim at the Honda Center. The Stars win 4-3 in overtime against Winnipeg. Jason Robertson will get the overtime winner. He's been having kind of a rough sophomore year as a member of the Dallas Stars, but he'll get used to it. It it gets like this for for the rookies sometimes. Steven Stamkos would have a two-goal night for Tampa Bay to lead the way in a 4-3 win against Arizona. Moving on to Saturday, so for the Winnipeg Jets, they would win 5-2 over the Nashville Predators, a huge five-point night by the captain, Blake Wheeler. It's another player that's getting better with age, and, you know, there's just no better way to describe it. Some players do better simply when they age more. More, Normally, 75% of athletes are not like that, but Wheeler... Verlander for MLB, and I, who was I mentioning? Alec Petrangelo. All three of those guys, like, they're part of the 25%. What can I say? For the Vancouver Canucks, they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 3-2, the final score. An incredible 51-save performance by Thatcher Dempko is, leads the way. I mean, that that's just incredible. The fact that the Maple Leafs even scored two goals, that means 53 shots this guy had to face, and... <laughs> Uh, that's that's crazy when you're a goaltender i mean the defense must have been rough that night because the fact that you had to if you faced 53 shots and only let up two your coach would be proud you and i'm pretty sure bruce Boudreaux was very proud of thatcher demko in that one the st louis blues would the chicago blackhawks five to one 12 different blues players got a point that game so like i said talk about team effort the Bruins would beat the Ottawa Senators 2-0 off of a 30-save shutout from Jeremy Swayman. Columbus beats Detroit 2-1. Minnesota beats Carolina 3-2. And for the Red Wings, Dylan Larkin would lead the way with a three-point game. 4-2 is the final score for Detroit beating Philadelphia. Which leads us to Super Bowl Sunday, February 13. Now, not a lot of sporting events are on besides the Super Bowl because everyone's, everyone won't bother to watch. So... It makes sense why you probably won't know what these four games were about, so I'll tell you them here. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Penguins would beat the New Jersey Devils 4-2 at the Rock. They take the top spot in the Metro. Buffalo beats Montreal 5-3. An incredible four-goal night by Jeff Skinner would lead the way. Skinner is getting better. He's getting used to his eight-year contract. What is this? I think is his third year as a member of the Buffalo Sabres, so good to see him. No, no, that I got that wrong. His fourth year. As a member of the Buffalo Sabres. So good to see him developing more and more into the organization. Because the Sabres are struggling. And they need Jeff Skinner to keep on playing like this. Darcy Kemper will get... Sorry about that noise. Darcy Kemper will get a 23 save shutout for Colorado. In a 4-0 win against Dallas. And three Senators would get two points in the win against Washington. 4-1 was the final score. On Tuesday... It was a busy night, so Sidney Crosby would get his 500th career goal, and the Penguins win in overtime against their rival, the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, congratulations to Sidney Crosby. He's you either like him or you hate him. He's pretty much like I can't really describe a play a a baseball player who was like that, but you know, it's just good to see Sidney Crosby get back. I'm unfortunately I'm one of the people that hate Sidney Crosby, so. When you guys are cheering like this, I'd be cheering like this. Oh, whoops, that's the wrong button. Oh my. Guys, all right, can someone clip that? All right, some of you guys better clip that out there. That was probably the worst failure ever on the Cracker Jack Sports show. (laughs) Holy, okay, now that was bad. That's what you call a failure right there. All right, well, we know this is live. We're going to keep on going. So the Calgary Flames would beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 6-2. Tyler Toffoli would score his first goal as a Calgary Flame in his first game with the team. The Lightning would take the top spot in the Metro in a 6-3 win against New Jersey. Edmonton would beat LA 5-2, and the Oilers would get their third straight win under their new head coach, Jay Woodcroft. For the Rangers, Keandre Miller would get the shootout winner over their rival the Boston Bruins. 2 to 1 was the final score. The Buffalo Sabres beat the New York Islanders 6 to 3. We already discussed that earlier. So, the Washington Capitals beat the Nashville Predators 4 to 1, a two-goal game for Alexander Rovechkin. a 4-point night for Joe Pavelski would lead the way for Dallas 4 to 1 the final score, and the Blues beat the Senators 5 to 2 off of a 3-point night from Vladimir Tarasenko. Which leads us to our final day of this episode's NHL recap. The Flames would win their 8th straight game in a 6-2 win against the Anaheim Ducks. The the Colorado Avalanche would shut out the Vegas Golden Knights 2-0 off of back-to-back shutouts by Darcy Kemper. I'm telling you, man, Darcy Kemper, ever since he escaped the whole Arizona dilemma with chemistry issues and, and drafts being caught using drugs, like, you know, Darcy Kemper has... And just escaping all that drama and going to Colorado, where like there's zero altercations there, he's he's doing pretty good. For the Florida Panthers, Aaron Ekblad would score the overtime winner to complete the massive comeback against the Carolina Hurricanes. Three to two was the final score in overtime, and you know it's just it's just a great game if you're a Florida Panthers fan. And yeah, just I know the Panthers struggled a little bit, but if you're a Florida Panthers fan, you wouldn't mind at all. And Teams are not going to go 82 and 0. It's just physically impossible. So, you're going to have some struggles every now and then. So for the Florida Panthers, I'd still be very happy. And you know who else is very happy? Mark Shifley and the Winnipeg Jets last night. They beat the Win- they beat the Minnesota <laughs> They beat the Minnesota Wild 6-3 off of a natural hat trick by Mark Shifley scored in the third period. That's pretty good. Like that that'll be one of those memorable ones on a lot of memorable natural hat-tricks would go down in the history. For example, one of them I never forget was Mika Zibanejad. If you guys remember, do you remember that last, last season in, the, in that shortened season where the Rangers beat the Flyers like 9 nothing, and Mika Zibanejad scored three goals in the second period? That's a natural hat-trick you'll remember. And this one made by Mark Sheffley tonight will always be remembered, I'm pretty sure well that'll do it for today's episode hope you guys enjoyed if you like our content make sure to visit our website at crackerjacksports.com for previous and upcoming episodes i'm your host john coro and this was the crackerjack sports show take care everyone Whoop, 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 who Whoop, 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 who